Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. So we're starting a new series on Ephesians, and we're going to walk through this book. It's going to be a little bit different for us. We're going to go chapter by chapter. So today is Ephesians 1. Next week will be Ephesians. Some of you got it. All right, so I just want to explain to you, Ephesians was one of the most important cities in Western Asia Minor, which is now Turkey. It had a harbor that at the time was open to the I'm going to mess up a lot of these words, but that's all right. This Castor River, which in turn emptied into the Aegina Sea. Because it was also the intersection of a major trade route, Ephesus became a commercial center. So it was a main hub in the uh, Asian Minor. It also had a pagan temple that was dedicated to the Roman goddess Diana. Paul made Ephesus a center for evangelism for about three years. You can read about that in Acts 19. And the church there flourished for some time. Now, how many people know that our country was started with the Lord? And it flourished for some time. But later, it needed warning found in Revelations 2, 1 to 7. And it says, you have forsaken your first love. And so this morning, we're going to begin to walk through this. And so let's just quickly Uh, pray for the sermon this morning. Lord, we just pray that you guide us and lead us. Open our hearts, open our ears to receive from you this morning. Let my words be your words, Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, hide me behind your cross. In your name we pray. Amen. Starting at verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praises of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in in the one he loves. Verse seven. In him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavishes on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. So verse seven, it says, in him we have redemption through his blood. The word here is, it can also be translated into deliverance, which is apolloturus in the Greek, and it means to ransom. The word used for ransoming someone who is a prisoner or a, of war or a slave. Do you understand that God sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay our ransom, to pay for our sins, to set us free? So therefore, we are no longer slaves, but he calls us friends. He came to die so that he could set us free. A stoic philosopher, Seneca, says this, human beings love their vices and hate them at the same time. What they need is a hand let down to lift them up. 
How many of you know that our world has so many vices that we use to help us? So many coping mechanisms. Some people, they go to drugs or alcohol. Some go to food. Some go to gossip. Some go to TV. Some go to sports. Some go to the gym. Some people, we can take anything and twist it and use it as a vice. Here, a philosopher, a non-believer sees in us that we actually need a hand let down to help us up. This is why Christ came. He came to die so he could help us up and out of the sin that we live in. In verse 8 it says, With all wisdom and understanding, he has made known the mystery of his will. So the Greek for wisdom is actually Sophia, and understanding is, this is a hard one, for Norris, and Christ brought both of them to us. The Greeks actually believed that anyone who had both Sophia and Phrenoris was perfectly equipped for life. So non-believers, the Greeks, they believed that if you had both of these, you were set for life. And the Bible tells us that Jesus came to give it to us. Aristotle defines Sophia as the knowledge of the most precious things. Sierra, Sierra defines it as knowledge of both human and divine. Then Aristotle defined Pronus as knowledge of human affairs and of the things which planning is necessary. Basically he's saying the things that are in our lives that take planning and take preparation, this is what it is. This is the understanding that God brings. Then Ciro defines it as the knowledge of the things which are to be sought and the things which are to be avoided. <clears throat> the common sense of, hey, we should go after these things and these things we should avoid. Excuse me. Paul is telling us that Jesus came to give us both wisdom and understanding, intellectual knowledge, and the practical knowledge that enables us to handle the day-to-day -day problems of practical living. It's interesting that we understand that Jesus came to give us these things. And in James 1.5, it says, if anybody lacks wisdom, just ask. And he will give it to us. We have to realize that this is what the Bible tells us. So if you're in a situation, you're like, I just don't know what to do. I'm not sure what to do. Scripturally, Jesus came to give you the wisdom to know. The Bible just says we have to ask. The difficulty for me, when I'm not 100% sure what to do, I, how many people know when you're not 100% sure what to do, usually you have about a 60% of an idea. And so when I pray and I ask the Lord, God, what is it that I'm supposed to do? What I don't like is his answer goes against what I already think I should do. So it's not always that God doesn't give us the wisdom or give us the knowledge. What it is is sometimes he gives us what we don't want. How many of you are trying to figure out, Lord, how do I deal with this individual? And you're trying to figure out the proper way to handle this conversation, and God comes back with, bless them. Love on them. Give them something. Do something special for them. <laughs> that wasn't exactly what I had in mind, Lord. See, I saw this conversation going very differently. I was stern. They were in tears and begging for forgiveness. This is the way I had this figured out in my head. And God goes, no, 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 no. 
love them. You actually might be in tears telling them how much you love them. It's not really how I envision this going, Lord. I need to pray again. <laughs> God's just not telling me what to do. I don't understand. He asks, says, give us wisdom and knowledge. He will tell you what to do and he'll help you lay it out. This works in your workplace. Pray and ask God to show you favor in your workplace and he will give you wisdom and knowledge. There are times in your life where he will show you something at your workplace that you're able to plan something out and you're able to come to your boss and present it to them and they will be amazed by what you have done. And it's in the presentation. Miles and I were just walking the other day out of hockey and he just, we were talking about how do you have the conversation when you don't necessarily want to follow in line? And he was talking about positions in hockey that he wanted to play. And I just said, I'm like, Miles, you just have to ask politely and be okay with the answer being different. If you go to your boss and you go, hey, idiot, I don't know if you realize how stupid you are and how wrong you're doing this. Now, I realize we wouldn't necessarily use those words, but how many people know when your kids talk to you, their tone and body language basically say that? So can I let you know something that I've observed from my own kids? Their tone and body language sounds and looks a lot like mine. I know, that one kind of got quiet. I got a couple of O's over on this side. But they learn it. And so the way we talk to our bosses, the way we interact with them, the way we talk with police officers and people in authority around us, the way we do that will influence our influence in them. God will open the door. Just because he gives you a plan and you have it all laid out doesn't mean it's the right time. There are moments where we can plan everything and we can lay everything out and we're like, God, when, I'm going to take this to work tomorrow. And he says, wait. What do you mean wait? Wait. And it could be weeks. It could be months. And then he says, take it now. And if you're listening, you're faithful, and you walk in and say, hey, can I have a conversation with you? I don't know if this helps, if this means anything, but I just was doing some messing around on my own time, and I don't know if this helps at all. And it's shocking on God's timing when your boss looks at you and goes, How, when did you have this done? Oh, a few weeks ago. Why? Well, this just came to light yesterday. And see, the shocking thing is, if you walked in when you had it done and gave it to them, it would have made no sense. There would have been no purpose for it. They would have been like, this guy's crazy. This lady's crazy. But you walk in in the timing of God, and you drop it on their desk, and they go, we didn't know what to do, and this just came to light yesterday, and you have an answer today? It's just how my God rolls. And God's favor comes through because of the wisdom and knowledge that he has for us. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10, it says, to be put into effect when the time reaches their fulfillment to bring unity in all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who, are, who were the first to put hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. To bring unity in all things in heaven and on earth. We talked about this last week. We are to bring heaven to earth. When Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, just as it is in heaven. That's exactly what he meant. It wasn't just nice wording. It meant we are supposed to influence our area with the presence of the Lord. We are supposed to pray, God, what's going on in heaven, bring it to earth. That is why we talked last week about having the power 
to bind things on earth and to loose them on earth. We can bind the enemy and cast him out and we can loose the Holy Spirit and it will shift your home. It will shift your workplace if you allow the Lord to work through you. Ephesians 1.13, it goes on and says, and you were you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is deposited, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to praise his glory. We receive Christ the same way. If you're here this morning, you've never received Jesus Christ, and you're trying to figure out how does this work, it just says it here. You hear the message of truth that we've talked about already. Jesus came and died on the cross. He died for your sins to set you free. Three days later, he raised from the grave, defeated the enemy. He sat at the right hand of the Father. He did this to restore us to a relationship with him. He did it to restore you to a relationship with him. So here's how you receive him. You hear that message, and it's kind of neat because it says you hear the message, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you are marked with him. So you've heard the story. So now if you're sitting here like, well, I've never really heard it. You just heard it. And now it's up to you whether you believe in it or not. Now, can I tell you the truthful answer here? If you say to me, if I, I'm going to ask you at the end of this service, if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you say, well, no, not today. Maybe next week. I want you to know that it's not a maybe. Your answer is No. None of us got to go to the prom on a maybe. None of us got married because our spouse, when we proposed, said maybe. Any one of us in that situation, if you got down on your knee, she's not even paying attention. You got down on your knee, sit down. <laughs> Trying to have a serious moment here. You get down on your knee and you ask, for a hand in marriage, and you get a maybe. None of us are hopping up excited. We are walking away going, that was a no. That was a no. I have a great story about engagement, but time-wise I can't share it, but Carlo almost made it work out that way. I proposed, had somebody sing, I knelt down in a restaurant, nobody saw me, I'm also vertically challenged, so the other guy got congratulated the whole night. <laughs> Short part of the story, I got the girl. <laughs> but this is all you have to do, you have to hear it and believe it. And when you hear it and believe it, you'll receive Jesus into your life. Jesus came to earth to die for you. Ephesians 1, starting at verse 15 as we continue through this chapter, it says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. See, it kind of goes hand in hand. If we have faith in Lord Jesus, we need to love all of God's people. So as you look through this room, we need to love all of God's people. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. 
Paul is praying that they receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in verse 17, to know him better. See, as we read his word, as you spend time reading the Bible, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to come and be a part of that moment. Because I have many family that have read this book cover to cover multiple times, and they don't serve the Lord. Understand my statement. Without the Holy Spirit, this is a book. This book is living and alive because of the Holy Spirit. This is why so many people in our society believe this is stories. When we get people to fall in love with Jesus, not his word, fall in love with Jesus, and then they read his word through his love, it will come alive to them. But we try to jam this down their throat without them experiencing the love of Jesus. Most of us have a hard time doing what's in here. But every one of us love the presence of the Lord. Got a little bit backwards. We take them to Jesus. Then we show them his word. And the Holy Spirit brings things alive to them that you haven't even seen in here. And it's amazing when people come to you and say, Hey, you know how we accepted Jesus a couple weeks ago? Yeah. Well, we've kind of been reading this book you told us to read. And we don't know if we're supposed to be doing this anymore. Oh, what makes you think that? Just as we were reading, we saw this, and we just feel like we're not supposed to live this way anymore. Oh, that's kind of neat. Meanwhile, in the back of your head, you're like, I know. Well, how come you didn't say anything? Well, I knew the Holy Spirit would show you at the right time. Because he loves you. He loves you more than I love you. And the Holy Spirit will bring change to people's lives. In verse 18, we pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope of which he has called you. Hope means a feeling of expectation, the desire for a certain thing to happen. An aspiration, a desire, a wish, an expectation, ambition, aim, or goal. A feeling of trust. Is that your relationship with the Lord? When you have hope in the Lord, does it make you have aspiration? Does it make you have great expectation and ambition to do things? Does it encourage you to aim and set goals so that you can achieve them for the love of Jesus? This is what it is. A feeling of trust. You fully trust the Lord. In those moments that you don't understand, do we trust him? This is why some people think a life with Jesus is boring is because we don't have expectation. We don't have desires or goals or ambitions. We accept Jesus into our heart, and then we attend church every Sunday because we have to. Because we think that's going to get us to heaven. No, we're supposed to live life of excitement. Life of doing things with Jesus. Taking risks. Praying with people. Praying with people to be healed. And not seeing them get healed, but still praying another time. Because we don't know when that time is going to happen. I told you before, there's a, 
minister, I forget his name, that traveled for years doing healing ministry. He prayed for 500 people. He recorded it, 500 people before he saw one healing. And after that, his ministry was launched. Do we have this excitement? Do we have trust in him? When was the last time that you asked God, what's next in an exciting way? God, what is it you want me to do next? I want to do something. Help me step out. Ephesians 19 says, in his incomparably great power for us who believe, the power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked only, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him the head over everything for the church, which is his body and fullness for him who fills everything in every way. We need to grasp the fact that we have been given the incomparable measure, immeasurably great power of God. Do you realize that the spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you? Let that sink in for a minute. Let us sink in. Because if you understand that the power of God that lives in you is the same one that raised Christ from the dead and placed him in the heavenly realms at the right hand of the Father, you should be doing crazier things. Understand that. Think of the confidence that you can walk in. The boldness that you have because the power that is in you. Do you live a life like that? I want to encourage you this morning. I want to empower you this morning to understand that the spirit that lives in you is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. That gives me boldness. That gives me courage. Because if he raised Christ from the dead and then Jesus said this to us, greater things you shall do. Can you do me a favor? Can you put your heart, hand on your heart? Not your heart on your hand. That would be weird. Put your hand on your heart. And I want you to say this. Greater things, greater things. I shall do. Greater things, I shall do. See, I think sometimes we read this scripture verse, greater things you shall do, and we think it's somebody else. It's you. Greater things you will do. Not just in this present age, but also the one to come. Forever. Forever. Not just then, not just now, but forever. This power is in us. Verse 22, God placed all things under his feet. I've joked before and I've said all means all, but I've actually went and did, I went to the dictionary and said, what does all mean? And here's what it means. Completely. Used to emphasize the greatest possible amount of, of equality. The whole of one's energy and interest. So do you realize everything we come up against? It's all. The whole of one's energy. Used to emphasize the greatest possible amount of equality that is coming at you. It's all under his feet. All of it. All the energy that's coming at you, it's under his feet. All of it. 
Verse 22 and 23 says, appointed, them, appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Do you realize that as he says, as he appointed him the head over everything for the church, we are the church. We are the fullness of him. When people see the church, when people see us, they should see the fullness of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the spiritual gifts and the unity and diversity of the Bible, or of the body. And all of our parts play a role. We realize that we need every single one of us. Do you realize that if you are not actively involved as the body of Christ, you are the part of the body that's not functioning fully and correctly? If any of you here has a body pain in your body, or you have something wrong with you that you realize that this part of me isn't functioning the way it's supposed to, you understand the struggle that is daily. Do you ever wonder what Jesus thinks when he looks down at his church, which is his body? Does he see his body functioning at 100%? Or are many of us not doing what God has called us to do? Adam Smith, which is an 18th century economist, he argued that the whole pattern of life was founded on what he called the division of labor. He meant that life can only go on when each person has a job and does that job, and when the results of all the jobs are pooled and become a common stock. The shoemaker makes shoes, the baker bakes bread, the tailor makes clothes, and individuals have their own jobs, and they stick to their own job, and each one of them efficiently carries out that job. The total good of the whole community follows. Are we doing our job in the body so the whole community benefits? Think about it for a moment. How could we affect our community, and I'm talking now Stratford and the surrounding area, how could we affect our community if we had a fully functioning body? I don't know about you, but when I have to do yard work, if my back hurts, it makes it harder to do. If I have to do some jobs around the house and something hurts, it takes longer. If I have a limp, it's going to take longer. It's going to be harder to do. But do you realize if every part of my body is functioning the way it's supposed to function, I can get the work done fast and effectively? Are we, as a body of Christ, functioning at the full capacity that we can. I believe that as a church, we are growing and we are in exciting times. But as we continue to grow and as excitement happens, how many people know as your body grows, you have growing pains? And so therefore, your body has to adjust. As we lead towards multiple services, as we continue to grow, we need more volunteers on a Sunday morning. If you mentally respond to that as like, well, I did my time, you're alive, you took a breath already. So your time is not done. Read the Bible. Many great leaders didn't start till they were 80 or 100. We need everybody. Because everybody knows the more people you have, the easier the work. But for some reason in the church, we think when we get to a certain age or a certain space or even young people, we get to a certain time in our lives where we just go, I'm too busy. 
What if you woke up this morning and your right leg just said to you, I'm too busy? I'm, I'm being real. Like, I know it's funny, but like, think about it. You woke up this morning, your right leg just said, I'm out today. Do you know, Chad, I've been with you for 37 years. You have put me through a lot. I'm done today. How many people know that your body is not going to function properly if one part of it just says, I'm done, I put in my time? Are you functioning at the capacity that you're supposed to be? So four takeaways. Number one, we have been redeemed and set free. We just need to believe it. Number two, you have wisdom and knowledge to live life. If you need more, ask for it. Number three, you have been given all power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. And through that power, we're supposed to bring heaven to earth and shift our world. Number four, we all belong to the body of Christ. Are we using what God has given us for his glory? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your Holy Spirit in our lives. Father, I thank you for the power of God that is in us. Lord, I thank you for the individuals that raised their hand to come back into a walk with you this morning. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you just walk with them and strengthen them. Help them to understand the power that is in them now. Father, help us to understand the power that is in us. Let us come into line with you. Father, I pray that you stir up the gifts that are in so many of us. Help us to understand, Father, who we are in you. That, Lord, we are a part of the body and that we can be used by you. And that, Father, there's fulfillment in that. Guide us, Lord. Strengthen us. Let us be a light for you. Help us to bring heaven to earth and shift the atmospheres around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you. And that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 